0: Hi, I'm Andy Bush, and you're listening to Through the Decades, a podcast that takes a nostalgic trip down memory lane with some of my favourite people. Each week, my guest and I will be starting in the 60s before going to the 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s, and back to the present day as they share their stories of how each decade has shaped their lives and made them what they are today. Today is quite simply one of the UK's great singer-songwriter and a British music icon, with 12 UK number one albums to his name. My guest today is the chief himself. It's Noel Gallagher. Noel, welcome to Through the Decades. Thank you very much. Now, Noel, let's go back to the early days. Talking about your mum Peggy, she sounds like a formidable lady. Your mum? She's actually not really.
1: She comes across. She has got a foul tongue though. She's like she can swear for like more than anyone I've
0: ever known. Like a navvy. Yeah. But, uh. Do you get no, you know, no nonsense advice
1: from her? There's a thing, my, my kid, when I, mean, I spoke to Johnny Marr about this, it's like, I, like, Johnny marr has got the same family makeup as me, like, an, an old age parent's like Irish Irish mum. And they're, so they're, they're his kid's grandmother and my kid's. Yeah, grand, and he said to me one night, he said, Do your kids think that your mum is f-ing mental? And I'm like, Yes, <laughs> they do. <laughs> because Irish people are insane. And the older that they get, The more set in the ways they are. And then my mum is obsessed with people dying. Oh, really? She'll call me up and she'll say, Wait till I tell you. That's the first thing. Wait till I tell you. Okay. (laughs) Wait until you tell me. (laughs) Do you know Jared used to live next door? (sighs) No, you do. He went out with Janine. You do. She works in the spa. No, she didn't. She she, she had a little white dog. (laughs) I remember that dog. Just wasn't he called Bimbo, and he used to run a in the garden. I don't remember any of this. And they're gone for ages, and then you, and then to to kind of run. You go, oh yes, yes, Jared. Didn't he die? That was the point of the story. Well, didn't he die? Oh, okay. Well, it's nice talking to you, mum. So give us a call back if anyone else has passed away on the on the close.
0: Mean a bit. The obituary column. Yeah. But it's like my, my nana from Liverpool that was kind of, she's brought up uh, in, born in Ireland and stuff as well, similar kind of is thing. she mental? Well, she's, there's this weird mix of religious, terrifying religious stuff around the house. I don't know if your mum's got that same stuff like those of religion. like cut little clippings of saints' cassocks yeah. and uh, holy yeah. water. Holy water, holy water is a good one, yeah. Uh, a, Jesus, a picture of Jesus that kind of shimmers in the light, so yeah. he, with his heart. Yeah, I, th-
1: I actually think our Liam superimposed one of his own heads on it.
0: <laughs> Right then, now let's get your first song on. A track from the 60s, please. What are you going to pick and why?
1: Well, I think, no, I've decided now, this second I've just decided that I'm going to play I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Uh, and the reason for that is it's a great riff from a great band and it's like a youth anthem; still holds true today. I think for young people, and the way that you feel when you're young, growing up. Have you met Mick
0: Jagger? at times. He's he's like a he's like a hard-nosed businessman. isn't He Mick Jagger.
1: He's all right. I've actually spent New Year's Eve with Keith Richards about four years ago. Oh my lord! New Year's uh, Eve with Chris, Keith Richards. <laughs> he was actually it's funny. So I know all the Stones kids, and they were all like Oasis oh, fans. So I've known them for a while. So when anyway, we happened to be in this hotel in, uh, it's in the Bahamas somewhere, and. Uh, I see one of Keith's kids, I'm like, no way. And, was, well, and he said, oh, am dad's here. I was like, yeah, I've never met Keith Richards. And he said, oh, come up to the bar for a drink tonight. So uh, we go up the bar, there is Keith Richards looking exactly as you would imagine, like a scarf and a hat. Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, <laughs> his son, his friend of mine, Marlon, said, Dad, it's not. And he turned around, he went, ah, you're still around, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he said a great thing, you have to bleep this out, but it is a brilliant line. His second line was, he said, one thing I've always wanted to ask you. Who's the bigger <laughs> c- your singer or mine? <laughs> and I said, well, as your singer wrote some of the greatest <laughs> lyrics of all time, I'm going to say mine, actually. That's uh, brilliant. And, uh, he was like, yeah, you're Ben, you were quite interesting there for a while. And I was like, I could actually say the same to you. <laughs> but he was great, such a dude, and kind of reaffirms your faith in, in all your heroes when you meet Keith because he is the man, but Mick, Mick's great, Mick's house a couple of times a few parties he's a big jagger you know what i mean no matter it's what myth. no matter what the image of this hard the businessman and all that that's <laughs> he's one of the rolling stones the end
0: That was I Can't Get No Satisfaction, written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, performed by the brilliant Rolling Stones and released by Decca. Now, Noel, you've come armed with two tracks from the 70s. What's your first pick and why? I'm going to go for a song by the Bee Gees, right? Uh,
1: Now, when I was growing up, the Bee Gees was all about Saturday Night Fever and... um, Teeth. (laughs) Yeah, the the disco thing, and, of course, that was frowned on by, by the punks. But when I started to become a songwriter, I started to get really into their songwriting and if you see the documentary that's out on sky now i mean they're a proper proper band astonishing songwriters and we're having hits for like five decades yeah and brilliant but the one i'm going to play is you should be dancing which is a tune and I've heard it in nightclubs all over the world and seen some mm. questionable dancing by, not by me. But <laughs> by, are you good on the dance floor now? No, me, no, 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 no. I'm a Mancunian, mate. I stand by the wall <laughs> nodding my head moodily. Uh, I've seen some real questionable Euro trash dancing, you know, by middle aged French fellas. Uh, but it's a tune and they're great. Uh, I love the Bee Gees.
0: That was You Should Be Dancing, written and performed by the brilliant Bee Gees, released via RSO Records. And not content with just one song from the 70s, Noel, you've gone and picked two, which we 100% respect. What are you going to go for next?
1: Right, we're going to go for Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols because there's loads you could pick from the 70s. Like, I mean, it's such great music, but the Sex Pistols, if it wasn't for that band and that album, they influenced fashion, photography journalism music politics everything you could think of like one of the last truly original great rock and roll bands ever and that album when you listen to, even this track when you listen to this track now you the sound of it it you could it looks like sounds like it could be recorded tomorrow many many rock bands chase that sound but they haven't got the tunes and john lydon is one of my absolute all-time heroes i love him to bits and i've been lucky enough to meet him and steve and paul and great lads and the pretty vacant what a riff what a band i mean when we started oasis we wanted to be a cross between the, the pistols and the beatles we should have been called the sex beatles right <laughs> <laughs> i mean that would have been a great name wouldn't it, it would. <laughs> someone write that down <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pretty vacant. Written and performed by the Sex Pistols. Released by Virgin Records. We land then in the 1980s, Noel. I mean, let's go back to the start. I mean, one All thing I didn't... life. Right, at the very start of your life. Thank let's you. regress. Yeah, I wasn't happy then. That was a stressful day, that was. <laughs> coming into the world. Right at the beginning of things. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't realise until I watched the excellent supersonic documentary about Oasis that you started out as a sound technician for the Inspiral Carpets. What was your role there?
1: Yeah, you, that's one way of putting it. Another way of putting it is I was lugging gear around and setting it up. I'm not sure I was either a technician. I was sound, though. People
0: did yeah. sound nice. So what was um, your role when they were playing live? You were in the background, folded arms. Uh,
1: I was part of the road crew. So I would I would look after the equipment, store it for them, and then... Go on tour with them, and so I was mainly setting up the keyboards and the drums. Yeah. So I was a drum. We were called roadies back then. Now they now they're called technicians.
0: Oh, so is that the rebranding of roadies? Yeah.
1: You know, when everything went a bit shiny and, and aluminium in the in the kind of nineties, it's yeah. like yeah, they're kind of they're guitar technicians now.
0: Is that what they call themselves? Yeah. Do they still have the butt crack thing showing,
1: or is it a different? Um, a more well presented. Mine don't. I don't go in for that. There's no one's allowed to wear like you wouldn't last two minutes mate no one's allowed to wear uh you know the black sabbath t-shirt and any of that but like there is this, there is a thing with roadies and shorts particularly in the festival season that is it's not a good look no i have the guy that looks after me now my guitars probably the best in the business because he's a scouser so yeah. we're pretty much dressed the same and we the same things and all that <laughs> I do pity for the other lads you know there's kind of people from yorkshire of all places you know and uh they wear shorts and stuff and you know, skaters. They look like skateboarders. So you've got a bit of a dress code going on with stuff. Tattoos. Lots of tattoos. You're not having that? No, I don't like tattoos. I think they're really? ugly. Yeah. Would you never get a tattoo done? No. I sigh a little bit when I see girls with tattoos. Really? Yeah, it looks a bit ugly to me. I don't know.
0: Maybe you might get like a Man City player tattooed. That'd be quite no, good. No, We'd uh, no. We'd never do that? No, none of my kids will be getting them either. Oh, really? You're going to yeah. put your foot down on that? Absolutely. Hit yeah. the roof.
1: Uh Yeah, no, they just, I mean, I've never done any piercings either. I just find the
0: whole thing a bit odd, to be honest. Have you got any tattoos? I have. I've got two quite bad ones. I'm right. a bit regrettable. What, what, what? Yeah, what well, i you go see. I've got. I've got a... Um, you can You can judge these tattoos. It, rubbish Celtic. Oh, God. The, mid-90s. Yeah,
1: like that Maori nonsense. Yeah. People are like it's just like, yeah, why is the squiggles? They look like a maze. And like... <laughs> I wonder why. i able to draw a red cross in, in the middle of one.
0: Worst thing is, I'm from Devon. What's a Devon? A lad from Devon got anything to do with a Maori oh. thing. And it gets worse, Noel. Right, okay. I've got... Um, it's like the first time we've met in prison, right, showing okay, each other yeah, tattoos. I've yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, got like a Chinese dragon on that arm, so this one's right. terrible.
1: That's, that's not the logo from the local restaurant, is it?
0: <laughs>
1: no? It's I not got, that dissimilar. My missus has got a, a, a tattoo on her lower back, which I've often thought it's the most bizarre place to have it because she's never actually seen it with her own eyes. She can yeah. only look in the mirror and see it. Can only get someone else's opinion of yeah, it. Yeah, and she's kind of, she kind of regrets it a little bit. But I see lads with tattoos, and like what like properly tattooed, and just think... It's not going to look good when you're in your late 50s, you know, and you're kind of balding and a little bit fat. You know
0: what I mean? <laughs> well, Noel, let's get a song from the 80s from you, if we can. What are you picking and
1: why? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pick something from my hometown in Manchester, and actually I'm going to pick something by the Smiths, and I'm going to pick Panic. Now, Panic aside, I love the Smiths. I was the exact right age for the Smiths. But I remember when uh, Panic came out and the, the refrain hanged the DJ such a brilliant thing to have in a single yeah. that you know is going to be in the top ten <laughs> and you know is going to have to be played by the Radio 1 DJs. that's why Morrissey for better or for worse is a genius <laughs> he's one of the great British writers of all time and to get that in a song knowing it's going to be played on Daytime Radio 1 is a magnificent two fingers up to radio yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing and uh, the Smiths to me were everything when I was growing up and uh, actually, Johnny was one of the first people ever to recognise Oasis before anybody had heard of us. He got hold of a, one of our demo cassettes and called me at home one after one afternoon. I was like, what <laughs> <laughs> and we've become obviously really close friends. I seen him on Sunday. up at City actually, and uh, he's just a wizard. He's as passionate about music now as he ever was, and as Morrissey, I was, you know, I don't know. I just, I adore that man so much. He just yeah. truly couldn't care less about anything. And I went, I had a night out about, a, must be good five, six years ago, now in LA with him and Russell Brand, uh, when Russell was living in LA. And I actually had to go to the toilet at one point because my stomach was hurting so much because he was crying. <laughs> and it was on the day of Kate and William's wedding, right? So we're sat in this bar and this American woman comes over and says to Morrissey... I overheard you guys' accents, you must be British, I'd just like to come over and congratulate you on the wedding of <laughs> to, Mor- to Morrissey. <laughs> congratulate you. <laughs> congratulate you on the wedding of Wills and Kate. And Morrissey did this thing, he put both his hands on the table <laughs> and he just went... <laughs> <laughs> and growled mm-hmm. and the table shook. And I was like, of all the people in the world <laughs> to come and thank for a royal wedding, you're <laughs> the most anti-royal person you could ever come across. <laughs>
0: It's Panic, written by Morrissey and Johnny Marr, performed by the Smiths and released through Rough Trade back in 1986. We're in the 90s, the decade of Britpop, indie and, of course, Oasis. Uh, So the popular image, or the myth, is that uh, Liam and Bonehead, etc., were struggling on with their band called The Rain, cracking name, and then you kind of bust the door down and said, this is what we're playing, but that's not not how it was. No,
1: I was on tour with Inspired Carpets in Germany and I called home with the weekly phone call and my mum said that Liam was rehearsing and I was like, "Wow, what?" She said, "Yeah, he's a singer in a band," which was mind blowing enough. Yeah. Considering I'd shared a bedroom with this idiot for the best part, well, all his life up to that point, and I'd been playing the guitar, and he never once broke into song.
0: He was previously not interested in music. No, I don't
1: think he's. In, no, I still don't think he is interested in music. <laughs> um, so when I come back to Manchester, and they was in this band called The Rain. I was like, "Wow, okay." And uh, so I went to see them at the boardwalk, and they, they were actually quite good. They had something. They didn't sound like anything else. They didn't sound great. And because I'd been in the in the music business, so to speak, they thought it'd be a good idea to ask me to be their manager, yeah. which I laughed at. And uh, I said, I don't want to be a manager. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, Liam was saying, Why don't you come and <laughs> jam with us? Mate. Come and jam with us, man. Yeah. And. Uh, I remember kind of putting it off for a while. And then anyway, one Sunday, they had to pass my house, my flat where I lived, to go to the rehearsal room. And uh, they just doorstepped me and picked me up and said, come on. So I went and, and did it. And i got to say, as the band started playing and I joined in, I thought, oh, I quite like this. And it just kind of snowballed from there, really. And then we were a couple of years where we were not all writing songs together, but Bonehead would write a song, and, or he'd write a song with Liam and then they'd write a song between them or and I'd write a song and it wasn't really going anywhere but we did love it and then it all changed the night I wrote Live Forever and after that I wrote what became Definitely Maybe and then for maybe five or six years every song that I wrote became extremely famous
0: Noel Gallagher let's get a song on from the 90s then what are you picking?
1: See it's hard not to pick one of mine I was because going to say <clears throat> the 90s so that goes from 1990 I take it I'm going to go for there she goes by the Lars, which I believe was a hit in 1990. Imagine, you know, he's only made one album, but if you're only going to make one album in your life, make that album. Yeah. You know, and he's up there with the Pistols, and I'm not sure how many one album wonders there were, but there she goes. Great tune. He's a magnificent songwriter. Lazy, <laughs> but, you know, put that to one side. <laughs> uh, the Lars are one of my favourite bands, still are, you know, and, um, the sound of liverpool in the 90s is that sound he influenced all of us and all the bands that came after the lars influenced a lot of other groups and uh, you know i've got two scousers in my band and i can tell you well actually chris funnily enough my drummer was in was in the lars and he's in the video for there she goes they're brilliant musicians they've got a great attitude towards music it does get a bit tense during the football season because they're Liverpool supporters and when City and Liverpool that season were going for the title we were on tour and we had to watch games separately
0: <laughs> and then still do a gig that night kind of thing and it gets
1: really don't talk about it Yeah, you know what I mean and uh, when they knocked us out of the Champions League one night we had a massive gig in Paris and uh, my base player I've got to say celebrated a little bit too much for my life <laughs> right? a little bit too much right so about I don't know it would have been a month later we got offered to do this big gig in scotland and someone said we're doing this gig but it's liverpool got to the final playing real madrid It says we've got this big gig in scotland but you might not want to do it because it's the night of the champions league final i was like oh that's a shame that's <laughs> 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 a shame because somebody won't be watching it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they had the ipads on stage and it was brilliant i'm turning round Doing a gig in front of 60,000 people. Watching Gareth Bale (laughs) scoring (laughs) over it. It literally doesn't get any better than this. they then on the dressing room afterwards, kind of all like (laughs) almost in tears. And me and the City fans in my crew, Phil Smith, who's been with me for 30 years, were just counting a bottle of champagne. (laughs) You know what, lads? You celebrated a bit (laughs) quickly there. Uh, But uh, anyway, yeah, the Lars, there she goes.
0: There she goes, written by Lee Mavers, performed by the Lars and released by Go Discs. Now, Noel, we're in the noughties, the decade that Oasis split for good. With such a huge catalogue of music to your name then, what do you reckon is the greatest song you've ever written? Well, I always think it's going to be the next one.
1: But it's not for the likes of me to say. You know, Wonderwall has become a worldwide hit and I will get stopped all over the world in any city you care to name and people will sing Wonderwall I don't particularly like that song. I don't think Cigarettes and Alcohol is a far superior song and for the life of me, I still can't work out why Morning Glory would have sold 20-odd million and definitely maybe only like five or six. So I don't know. You don't hate any of your songs. Do you hate any of your I songs? I hate quite a few. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you hate? Which one do I hate? There's one out of all There's of one, I hate it so much when Oasis put out their singles album, I left it off and it was a single. <laughs> Nobody mentioned it because clearly everyone else thinks it's what was it uh, it's called Sunday Morning Call oh really just... yeah see you don't even know it it's I know the name of it yeah no it's dreadful I don't like it it's a bit too earnest
0: um, is there a song that you've written that you, that doesn't get the credit you think it deserves or should have got
1: uh, oh no uh, there's a, there's quite a few from the later albums when our star had, you know we'd kind of we'd got to a level and we kind of peaked there and that was it yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go into, into them all, though. I mean, there's a few, though.
0: So I'm reading this book at the moment, Noel, which is about whether aliens exist, mm. okay? And basically, it says in the book, from, for life to be able to start anywhere, it has to be a combination of a certain collection of things all align at the same moment, and then life could happen. Yeah, and when I was reading that i just watched Supersonic the documentary and it talked and about I thought, the, hang on a minute they're a bunch of aliens <laughs> they're from a different planet yeah, yeah. no it reminded me of the Aberdeen gig in that you're the gig in Aberdeen where the one where Oasis happened to you know you ended up playing and uh, Alan McGee happened to be there in the Glasgow center. was it in Glasgow Yeah. good research there from yeah. Bush that gig in Glasgow <laughs> where you just happened all the stars aligned and Alan McGee happened yeah. to be there do you think that was like fate do you think that yeah w- of course you could debate
1: whether we'd have a, a, a batch of songs which then went on to become Definitely Maybe and they would have remained undiscovered forever. I don't buy that theory. But I think it was fate that Alan was there. Yep. More for him than us. <laughs> but um, if I could have, you know, in hindsight now, if you could wish for anybody to walk into that gig, it would have been him.
0: He's an amazing guy, isn't he? He is a dude.
1: Because he owned his own... He wasn't an AR man. He owned his own record label. He ran it all. What he said went... He he not only liked us, he loved us. So it was it was fate, you know, because it could have been an A and R guy from some major record label who would have said, "Yeah, I like your band. Listen to the tape." Four months later, you still could have been, you know, you might you might have given up after another year. But he was. We signed immediately. You
0: know. Do people like Alan McGee exist anymore in the music industry or not?
1: Not on that level. Guitar music now is so semi skimmed use a, 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 to, <laughs> a dairy term a dairy term, yeah <laughs> it, yeah. it's just like semi-skimmed in it or worse skimmed you know what I mean it's like the red top yeah Waste it's of like time. people wear guitars now they don't really play them Yep. there's not a great deal of there's no rock stars anymore and it, you, know, you could sit down and think well or I have sat down and thought if the rate of your share price depends on people like Bobby Gillespie and Liam and Richard Ashcroft wouldn't you rather it rest on the reputation of Chris Martin and Ed Sheeran? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the people in the bands, the outlaws, the people who came from council estates, have been marginalised now by the music business because it's become more of a business,
0: I think. I like Coldplay. I like their earlier stuff. Me too. I'm a fan, and Chris is a very good friend of mine. But he is a very nice boy. He's a very nice boy, isn't yeah. he? But, but I always think with the guitarist, I always want him to just... He's a great guitarist, but you hear their stuff nowadays, and it's all synths and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, guitars do sound like
1: synthesizers. Do you know why that is? Why? Well, no, why? Because synthesizers sound like guitars. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. I just want so him to turn all, it all, up a bit. All, all is not what it seems <laughs> on records these days. But yeah, people yeah, people don't really play guitars anymore. They kind of wear them because, you know... And there's a lot of moustaches in <laughs> Indian music now, which is completely unforgivable. Is it any like... Yeah. I f- mean, when girls start having moustaches in the indie music, <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm leaving the country. Well, no. Uh, let's
0: get a song of them from the noughties. What are you having?
1: Okay. That goes up to 2010.
0: You really get in the hang of this decade, Stacy. Yeah, station, I, yeah. You know.
1: I work, work is dog years, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is not one of my great uh, periods of music where I know a lot about 2000 to 2010. So I this split in 2009. So it was around then. All right, the, the Coral after been going then, wouldn't they? So I'll go for Dreaming of You by the Coral, one of my favourite bands, one of the most influential bands of the 21st century. If it wasn't for the coral, the Arctic Monkeys would still sound like little punk rockers getting their pants pulled down by the knees. <laughs> uh, the uh, the choral influ- influenced Oasis. Uh, and me, as a songwriter. And uh, I remember going to see one of their first gigs at Dingwalls in Camden. They'd just signed their record deal that day, but they were so young, they legally weren't allowed to sign it, so their, their mums and dads had to sign it on their behalf. Oh, wow. And we went into the dressing room, and honestly, it was just like seeing a load of little children all like ruddy-cheeked <laughs> to the tops off. And one of them, one of them went, "No way, there's that fella I'm off tell you! <laughs> and uh, magnificent live band, great lads. Also, Liverpool supporters. Yeah. Uh, but they're all right. They're kind of from over the water in Liverpool. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I love them to bits. Uh, so the coral dreaming of you.
0: Streaming of You, written by James Skelly, performed by the Coral, released by Delta Sonic Records. Now, Noel, in Supersonic, you describe the run-up to Nebworth as the pre-talent show era. Uh, what effect on the music business do you think talent shows have had? Like, in, in, genuinely, only, only in the
1: sense that there's there's a constant narrative about Simon Cowell has ruined the lives of everybody. <laughs> do you know what I mean? When it's it's not nobody's forced to buy this music, and because there's nobody like the Verve or Oasis or that kind of thing anymore or Britpop or any of that you know it's Simon Cowell's fault you know it's like the X Factor is a TV show it's got nothing to do with music yeah it's got nothing to do with music whatsoever and anything that's that's came from that that's got nothing to do with music you know you're not telling me Harry Styles is currently sat in a room somewhere <laughs> writing a song you know with any joy you'll be surrounded by a lot of girls you know what I mean getting <laughs> blown up his hopefully you know but I can assure you he's not got an acoustic guitar out trying to write a middle eight for something
0: do you know what I mean but that's the interesting thing like someone like you who's you know a great songwriter those people are kind of like hoovered up by the industry to kind of write songs for other people you almost yeah. get behind the scenes which Yeah. Is
1: sad. Because because people of my age have let themselves go you know and they're kind of fat balding idiots with fading tattoos they kind of sit in their garage and write like sign of the times for Harry Styles do you know what I mean <laughs> which, quite frankly, my cat could have written in about 10 minutes.
0: So, you're not a fan of that song?
1: No, I don't mind the song, but I'm like, you know, there's the people that uh, my wife was falling over herself. Have you heard Harry Styles' new song? And I was like, she yeah. It's like Prince. And I was like, I can f- without even hearing it, I can assure you it's not like Prince. <laughs> Half of it's good. There's a good little chorus
0: bit in there. There's like a hook in it, which is quite it, good. This,
1: yeah, the, the first minute is pretty good. Yeah. And then forget about
0: it. Downhill from there.
1: Yeah. Now, no, you've come armed with a song from the tens. Tell us what it is. Yeah, Young Fathers Get Up. Now I don't not no, i am not sure how many people know this band but it's three guys from Glasgow and I was I was went to see Massive Attack one night Brixton Academy. and kind of got there early and this band were on stage. I'd never heard the name or seen it written down, no one had said anything about this band and I was blown away. Then i seen them on Jules Holland, but this track called Get Up is amazing and then I was doing a gig in Bilbao on our last tour, it was a festival and they were on the bill, and um, we kind of got there early and went to see them. And they were just truly astonishing. Um, they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Incredible.
0: I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of them. Well, prepare to be <laughs> dazzled. Come in. That was Young Fathers with Get Up, written and performed by Young Fathers, released through Big Data recordings. Although written and released back in 2014, the opening lyric, got no past, no future, fumbling through the ether, seems quite apt for the world we're living in right now. Uh, do go and check them out. They're fantastic. So, Noel, we arrive in the present day, and for a man into his 50s, I've got to say, you seem to be looking like you're getting younger. Getting younger every year. What's your secret?
1: Yeah, I... Uh, I, 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 You don't have to th- respond to that. Th- there's no getting away from it. I do look...
0: Um, I put it down to the love of a good woman. Is that what it is? I think so. She told me to say that on the way out this morning. (laughs) Do you worry about having a midlife crisis like Harley-Davidson, buying a Ferrari? Are you prone? No. Vulnerable? Have you already had a midlife crisis? Not yet.
1: No earrings, no tattoos, (laughs) uh, no leather trousers. Yep. I'm not that kind of person, I'm afraid. I've never owned a licence, like a driver's licence. Haven't you? So... Maybe I'd be buying a quarter of a million pound motor this morning if I had if I if I had a license and could be bothered learning to drive, or even a motorbike. Well, no, I've never had it. I've never done
0: the midlife. I've never dyed my hair. Good for you. Hmm. Well insured against it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, i I know. I know. I know. Fellas do get them, and we're all prone to but it. But yeah. Well. Well, clearly not because I'm not. But I, I. think. I think people who have midlife crises are uh, people who maybe get to a certain age and think. There's something quite unfulfilled about the life. If it all ended for me tomorrow, I would think I pretty much made my mark, and mm-hmm. I'd, be, I'd be happy with that.
0: Right then, Noel, let's pick a song from the present day. What are you choosing and why?
1: I mean, there's only really one act that you can pick. <laughs> uh, so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick uh, my own current latest greatest, We're On Our Way Now, which, uh, of course, I spoke about before, probably would not even exist were it not for the pandemic. It's a song that I've half written. I'm not sure when it was. I think it sounds like it was probably from Chasing Yesterday. Uh, and I'd never wrote a second verse and never quite finished it, and it fell by the wayside. And when I came up with the idea to do this best of, I only wanted to do it if there was new music on it and if that new music was equally as good as anything else on it and not just a
0: token filler track. When you say you've half written something, by the way, just a quick question, is that like you've recorded a bit of it or you've got it in your head? No i'll have half a first verse and half a
1: chorus and then what i usually do is i don't if i finish a song off all in one go those are the ones that become massive because they come from another place yeah and
0: you're channeling they
1: find you and all of a sudden you've got a song most i'd say 90 percent of my songs they'll be like the opening line and the melody and then the chorus and i'll leave it at that and i'll put that to one side and i'll keep going back to it while i'm making record do another bit or change a bit so this is one of them what i always meant to finish off and i probably had wrote probably like dying of the light fell out of the sky or something and that's a better song or i would have thought it was a better song at the time so yeah then finishing it off and recording it uh, during the lockdown um and kind of standing back and listening to it and she was like oh, i can't believe i never put that out um but it's a great tune and um people are liking it <laughs>
0: way now written by noel gallagher performed by noel gallagher's high flying birds and released by Sourmash mash records and there you have it that is our trip through the decades if you like any of the music that you've heard absolute radio has a station uh, from the ABBA craze 1970s with absolute radio 70s the synth pop 80s with absolute 80s and the nashville riffs over on absolute radio country there is something for everyone